everyone. Welcome to the Faith of Our Farmers podcast, the podcast devoted to the faith side of agriculture. Each week, my Cartley, along with my co-host, Chris Elliott, dive into how our faith plays out for those of us each day that are involved in agriculture. Some weeks, we have guests that will share their testimonies. Other weeks, we introduce you to ministries that use agriculture to share God's love. And sometimes we'll talk about biblical subjects that tie into our daily work in agriculture. Let's see where God's going to take us to this week. Hold on, let's go. Hello, Chris Elliott. Well, good morning, Frank Hartley. It's good to hear from you. It is good to hear from you, too, and be back for another episode of Faith of Our Farmers. So you guys are in the midst of cutting hay down there and steadily farming, huh? Yeah, we're kind of picking away at it in between um, the sunshine and sometimes not so much the rain, but they sort of threaten us with rain or promise us rain. It never seems to come through. But I'm hoping today that our little valley does get a, a bit of that rain showers yes. we definitely could use it here yeah yeah we definitely could here too i know here in northern pennsylvania it's pretty dry and when you get on up north into new york state just north of me they're pretty dry down there so this week chris we have karen jordan and i'm gonna yes. i'm i'm going to preface this that um this is a second go at a podcast because the original editor uh, and oh, you don't have to admit all this, Frank. And producer <laughs> seemed to have a problem and lost the first podcast, but it was a trial and error. And so we're going to do this again. And the second time is going to be a hundred percent better than the first time. Karen Jordan, <laughs> welcome to the Faith of Our Farmer podcast. Well, thank you, Frank and Chris. Thanks for having me. I look forward to this. We 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 so Again. much are too. Again <laughs> for, for round two. Uh, well, Karen, you live in North Carolina. That's right. Yeah. And maybe you could give us a little bit of a sense of the geography, like northwest, east, south. You know, elevation. You know, hills, mountains. Yeah. So we're essentially our little town is right in the middle of the state. And it's very gently rolling. Uh, we don't really have much land that's too steep that you don't want to put a tractor on. So we're, we're blessed from that. We, we do have lots of streams that, uh, well, uh, we've got a heifer farm and then the, where the mature cows are. And if those facilities have streams going through them, which a hundred years ago, that was a blessing. Now, you know, <laughs> sometimes that's a, has sure. more challenges ch- challenges to the day to day operation, but we love our streams and you know, we're always working to protect them like we should. And but uh, yeah, we really think it's a pretty area of the state. And typically for for us, our crop that we're going to grow is corn silage. So like y'all were talking about rain, so we're really hoping that we get some rain. We're sort of officially in a very dry categorized dry weather right this second. With a little bit of hope, you know, we might get some rain this weekend, but. Okay. So Karen, Karen, I have to ask a question. Just, I, I failed to ask it the first time we did it. So 
much like Andy and Barney, do you go up the Riley on the weekends just to get out in the big city? <laughs> yeah. So you're an Andy Griffith fan. Oh, yeah. Very yeah, much. We, yeah. Well, Aunt B is uh, buried in the local cemetery, and Aunt B did live in Solar City. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, there you go. for real. There yep, you go. for real. A little bit of, yeah. A little bit, a little yeah. bit of that history there. So, yeah. Trivia. Yeah, but we all went to school at NC State University in Raleigh, and uh, we enjoy going back to Raleigh, but we don't go a whole lot. And not, not, not the place you need to get away to. So, yeah. No, we get away. We head towards the mountains. There you go. There you go. So, Karen, can you tell us a little bit of your background about your farm, your family, uh, your off-farm job that you have, and some of the different committees and groups that you work with? Sure. Yep. The um, So, I'm married to Norman Jordan, Jr. I'm, uh, uh, I'm married into the dairy business. And... So, uh, we, I did not grow up on a, in a farming, uh, family. It was a very rural, uh, area that I grew up in, in, in North Carolina. But Norman and I have been married about 35 years and, uh, Milk and Brown Swiss, his dad, uh. uh wait, wait, wait. Should, if that's the case, should I call you Saint Karen? <laughs> <laughs> for putting up with Swiss. For putting up with Brown. Anybody that milks Brown Swiss, I've decided one of two things. You're either lost your mind or you're a saint. You gotta be one or the other. <laughs> Brown Swiss yeah, are I unique. I where you were going with that. They, they are yeah, unique. That's too. for sure. Yeah. So. We milk Brown Swiss also, so I feel your pain. So. <laughs> well, so. and we really enjoy the Swiss. And people ask us questions about, aren't the calves hard to raise? And I'm like, nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, I, they stay on a bottle the whole time and they get three gallons of milk a day, but, uh, but we, we enjoy the Swiss. Mm-hmm. But anyways, his dad started with the Swiss. When his dad went off to college, it was at, at that time, that era, people just milked whatever they could and he had a couple of jerseys when he left for college, but he judged cattle and saw the Swiss and judging contest and really liked the Swiss and their personality met with his personality. And so when he got back, he started purchasing Swiss. So the Swiss, um, the last purchased animal was in the late sixties. So it's been a closed herd, all artificial breeding. Wow. Yeah. Since the late sixties. Yeah. Yep, and so we do, we do, biosecurity is a big deal for us. Um, so a lot of the stuff I've worked on, um, the secure milk supply, the mid-Atlantic regional secure milk supply. So all that, all those words mean in working on biosecurity measures to help protect the dairy industry. Should we have a really ugly disease? And that ugly disease that usually gets named is foot and mouth. Great. Yep, and then, uh, the things that I've worked on nationally, um, I've had the, the great pleasure to uh, be on the Animal Health and Wellbeing Committee for National Milk Producers Federation for a long time now. <laughs> so <laughs> back when uh, Dairyman Incorporated existed, mm-hmm. my husband and I, uh, they had a young dairyman contest, and we ended up being the runner-up for our region. 
And from that, you know, different board members you know, sort of took an interest and asked me if I would serve on the Animal Health and Wellbeing Committee. And then jump forward to 2009, well, actually a couple of years before that, but, uh, they asked me to serve as the chair of the Animal uh, Animal Welfare Task Force as we started writing our animal well-being program for the industry. And so to this day, I gladly serve in that capacity as chair of the committee and of the task force. And just to say, we've got a lot of passion in our industry, a lot of passion to do things right by our animals. And, you know, just trying to document that and show to our many customers and consumers you know, we respect our animals and we try to do right. And we know when we know how to do things better, then we do better. Right. So that's yeah. the way I would describe stuff I do. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, so you not only have the background as a farmer, dairyman, dairy person, uh, you also have another background that qualifies yeah. you for that position. Yeah. So, so I'm a veterinarian. I was the second class at that time, our vet school in North North Carolina was very young, so I was a second class to graduate from the school. And um, in the past, I've uh, really focused on the dairy industry, became really narrow in my focus. And at one point, I had 30 dairies in the central part of the North Carolina that I worked for. Well, you've seen the economy. So uh, yeah. mm, most of them sold out. Right. And so I'm down to four herds. That I work with. Wow. And one of those is mine. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, the landscape has changed tremendously. You know, North Carolina is down to, I think, like 185 herds in the state. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. So we still have a big economic impact in the state, but just fewer numbers, bigger herds. It, bigger you know, that's just the trend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of, kind of the direction the industry is going, unless you can niche market in some way or another. Um, yeah, yeah, you gotta, yeah, find other ways to uh, to make a living, really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, I know, I know. When I got involved with the farm program, I was certainly appreciative of knowing. I didn't know you from Adam and. Actually, we have not actually met together very many it's times. Not a but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been hit and miss, and but we've been friends on social media and kind of got to know each other through that. Um, but I greatly appreciated the fact from the dairy farmer side that knowing that there was dairy farmer people who were actually out in the field milking cows and feeding calves every day, but still had the technical side of it to bring it in from your veterinary side. Uh, it, it gave me great pleasure and I, I, it encouraged me oh, to say and comfort. <laughs> and comfort. Yeah. It, well, and yeah. it encouraged me to, when I started working for Land Lakes as a farm evaluator, it's like, okay, I, I believe in this program and I've stuck with it since leaving Land Lakes. Now I'm an independent trainer evaluator. And it's great for me to be able to tell farmers that no, this is not just a bunch of people way up here that have not a clue what it means to milk a cow. There's people yeah. on this board that, that knows and understands that. So yeah, for sure. So yep. Yes. And, and for your listeners, uh, the farm program, F-A-R-M stands for farmers assuring responsible management. Yep. 
Because, you know, we talk about it all the time, but, you know, everybody else don't really. Every, yeah, <laughs> everybody yeah, everybody, has, little, little farm, everybody has a farm, right? What does farm yeah. have? No, it does mean something. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that, that clarification was good to bring in there, Karen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a good program, and it's, uh, you know, it's branching out, and uh, the, the it's sort of an umbrella. And I don't know if you are aware of this, but under that umbrella, we have our animal welfare. We have our antibiotic stewardship. We have our workforce development. We have an environmental uh, sustainability section, and uh, we're adding the biosecurity, biosecurity. section. Yep. Yeah, so it's sort of like one-stop shopping, you know, for our <laughs> industry to go and find the, hopefully the latest, greatest, best things to be considering for your farm. Yep. And it's and it, it's really growing. I mean, we're I'm seeing from the customers that I deal with that you know a lot more emphasis on the environmental side and and workforce development as we look at are the workers being taken care of properly and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it's it's definitely a definitely a growing thing. Chris tells me a lot about farming God's way, and I tell him a lot about the farm program. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good conversation. <laughs> we educate each other that way. So yeah. For sure. yeah. 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 And then as far as my background as a youngster and growing up in the Christian faith. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, I you know, grew up in a very rural community. My daddy was a long distance truck driver. My mother worked in manufacturing and you know, they, I give all my credit to um, my parents for and knowing that, you know, your children need to be raised, you know, in a Christian family and going to church, you know, and getting that that good, solid foundation, I guess, is the way I would describe it. And then, mm-hmm. um, so growing up, that was Baptist, Baptist church. I was saved probably around nine to ten years of age. I was baptized in a pond at the beef cattle visited it was the a guy that had the pond next to the church and um and mom made sure we were in church sunday morning sunday night wednesday night you know revivals i mean and i don't know if that was because i was a hard-headed difficult child or what (laughs) 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 and strong-willed and and all those things but sometimes I look back and I think, man, if she hadn't put, had me in church so much, I would probably have been the wildest young and, and probably not be alive today. You know, really. <laughs> oh my. But when I look at some of the things that I did and lived through, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> that probably my parents still don't know that I did. But well, I think all of us can <laughs> yeah. say our parents have things that are, we have things our parents don't know about, and we're not going to tell them <laughs> yeah. on the podcast either. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Let's then, bring that back around, Karen. Yeah. Know, just praise, praise the Lord for those godly parents that kept us pointing in the right direction that they at all possibly could. Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, you know, today I, I see young families and I just, I, it gives me pause because, mm-hmm. because I, I, you know, they're good people and they were raised to go to church, but yet they're not taking that youngster. And going to church, right. and and I just and I know they're busy, and Sunday morning's the only morning they have not to, they have they can sleep in and all that, and I'm just like, hmm, there's just something different about 
having that circle of friends that are in Sunday school with and, you know, it, it, it yeah, does. Exactly. It just gives me pause to, to see them not focusing on their child, you know, like they were, what I'm assuming were probably brought up going to church, but. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and, and, and you mentioned your mother. Um, uh, there's a Christian country artist has a, Tommy Brandit has a song called Broken. And in that song, he talks about how it, it, he was like a wild Mustang, you know, out running, <laughs> you know, and, and finally he got, you know, Christ got a hold of his life and he, and broken down to, to tame down. And he attributed that to his praying mother. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, so much so. I, I, I know for me, for my life, I, I relate to that song because I know it was my mom's prayers that, that got me around to where I am today and kept, kept me from going down roads I probably shouldn't have that I wanted to go down back then. So. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so you were, in, so you were baptized and grew up in a church and, and, and where'd you go from there? So that, that was Baptist. And then uh, in college, a family that uh, really took me in and she's the, the, the gal we met, uh, with at a biology class. And then we became roommates. And then we, at that time, you had to eventually go through a lottery system to keep living in the dorms and, we didn't make the lottery, and so we lived, started living with her family just outside of uh, Raleigh, and they had a horse farm, and so her mother just really took me in. She's like a second mom, and so that family was Presbyterian, so I started going to the Presbyterian church with them. So, you know, that's undergrad, and then I get accepted into vet school, and then, you know, vet school, anytime you go to professional schools, they're pretty intense. And he, you just wonder if you're going to get through this thing or not. And so I, I went some to church, but not like I grew up going to church. And, and so the spiritual side of me was, you know, it really wasn't growing. And then, you know, I get married and, um, uh, with the dairy farm and practicing and just really busy. And I just, just wasn't going to church. And then uh, one day, my neighbor invited me to go to her Quaker church for a Christmas uh, special singing thing. And so we went and just really enjoyed the the people, the service. Uh, so I'm now a Quaker, uh, a Quaker that used that was Baptist Presbyterian sorter. Now I'm a Quaker. <laughs> so it was just a, a nice fit for us. Fascinating. Yeah. Yep. And so from, um, so from there, and, um, I, I like to, I like, I listen to Max Licato, some of his, uh, stuff. And, uh, so, so I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2014. And, um, that's something that, and I, and we really hadn't started, we hadn't started going to the Quaker church at that point. But when, um, but when that diagnosis came, I was just like, man, somebody's trying to get your attention, <laughs> you know? And yeah, yep, and it just took me back. And, and so what I was going to say about Max Lucado, he, he had, I was listening to him one day and he said, God allows us to make choices. 
and then our choices that have eternal consequences. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about three things. He talks about thunder, blessings, and silence. And he said the thunder is to disturb us. So that's where I write in, well, my breast cancer did that. And our blessings are to lure us. And I'm like, you know, my husband, I've got the best husband. I've got the best everyday life that you can have. And, you know, being allowed to go to vet school with that profession, you know, that that's that's a real blessing, you know. And then the silence is, you know, that he gives that time for us to be making these choices. So I thought that was a. You know, you know, it was a different way of sort of describing why things happen to us. But, um, yeah, that breast cancer, it got my, I'm, I'm good now. You know, I'm, I guess six years or more out, um, and no issues. Hopefully good. nothing good. will happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, but it does, you know, you have a, and and in some ways, I'm actually thankful. <laughs> you know, it, uh, it was a rough. Yeah, it was a rough year. You know, I wouldn't wish chemo and radiation and all that stuff on my worst enemy, but right. but uh, you know, it woke me up. You know, yeah, it it tend, things like that tend to do that. That's for sure. I I well, I'm in, Frank has a really good story about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's interesting the things in our in Karen and your life and my life that kind of overlap each other with being married the same and brown swisses. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was seven years ago, two weeks from now that I end up finding I had a brain tumor, and um, that need oh it need it removed today. <laughs> and so or, now, or yesterday maybe or yesterday maybe yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so oh, now wow. I, w- I was very fortunate i didn't have to go it was benign and i didn't have to go through chemo and stuff but um uh it, it definitely did get my attention and it got many mm-hmm. other people as chris will tell you and our family's attention um our family mm-hmm. has been very blessed and not really directly closely have much sickness in our family and so mm-hmm. uh it woke several of us up and as as chris said i think in our first podcast it it kicked our whole family in gear to pray more <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, it is amazing how, you know, things like that come along and they do get your attention. And, and, um, I mean, I was already a Christian at that point, but it it certainly woke me up to say, you know, hey, um, you know, you may, maybe you need to pay attention a little more to me here and and not yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. So. Yeah, it's um, yeah, stuff like that really gets the, uh, it takes you back. <laughs> you like definitely. Yeah, yeah, and you know, then you start saying, well, hmm, if somebody wants to take me out, they can take me out pretty darn quick. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. You better That's, cherish every day. <laughs> you better cherish what you have. No doubt about uh, it, for sure. Well, well, tell us, Karen, a little bit here about your daily work and activities. I mean, you're very involved in, you know, farm and in the community there and in the larger ag community. And, you know, what ways do you see your faith really playing into that? I mean, obviously it has had an impact on your daily life, you know, with the whole cancer thing. But, you know, in terms of how you kind of live out your, your faith and your values within all of that workplace kind of stuff. Well, 
the um, what I hope is that when the way I conduct myself, the way I answer the phone, the way I try to be helpful, that that um, just the way I do business, that that people can just by that, I'm hoping that they see uh, a Christian, that my ac- mm-hmm. actions are Christ-like, best, best, best I can ever hope to try to be. And um, and the way I make my daily choices, that they mm-hmm. see Christ in that. So it's just it's sort of the rules I live by when I'm trying to conduct business. I guess I would say that that's uh, very much trying to be as Christ-like as I can. Mm-hmm. I'm probably I'm sure I feel miserably, but because uh, sometimes I've got a pretty short fuse with some people. But uh, <laughs> well, we we are we are we are saved by grace, but we're not perfect. The who boy? <laughs> yeah, thank goodness for grace. Thank goodness for grace. Amen. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, have you have the your job as a veterinarian and in working out in these different uh, groups that you work work with? Uh, have you seen particular, is there any particular stories that come to mind that, you know, that you can say people have said, you know, what, what is different about you? Have you ever ran into situations like that? Mm, I don't, well, the other day, a client sent me a text that, uh, I just started working with somebody they, they referred me to and, uh, and and I just had conversation with that second person by text. So my original long term client, she sends me a message and she says, uh she said, This this new person said that you are just a like a breath of fresh air. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, Well, that's the <laughs> that's that sounds very cool. Nice. But yeah, where's that coming from? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So uh hopefully the because uh, this person had, you know, she'd been given some bad advice and from folks that didn't really concentrate on cows and, you know, that happens. And, and so I was just trying to correct some things for her. So, so I guess I would just look at it as just, just trying to do the right things for people and right, right. the right things for the animals. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and there's been some students of through the years when I had a whole lot more dairies to work with, I would take students, uh, that were, like their first year in vet school or something. And, and I received the nicest thank you from one of the students about, you know, spending time with her and, you know, going the extra mile to, you know, help her get experience and things like that. So, you know, to me, it's just, you know, just trying to be kind and compassionate uh-huh. all the time. Is the, mm-hmm. Walking is, the walk and not just talking the talk. Trying, trying. Yep. Yep. Yeah, again, yeah, it doesn't mean we're yeah. perfect, you know. We nope. have we all nope. have our days, that's for sure. Yeah. Or as as someone yep. someone else once once said, you know, I'd rather see a sermon than hear a sermon. Mm-hmm. You know, and just by the that's way good. we walk and react each day, that's for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you sound like a lady with with a whole lot of things on your plate, trying to balance the farm and the vet business and and 
I know, of course, COVID has stopped some of the traveling for these meetings, I'm sure. But oh, yeah. How do you keep everything afloat, you know, and, and still have time for Karen and Karen to God? And how do you balance all that? That sounds like quite a lot. Well, it is. And uh, thank goodness for uh, smartphones. And now, like when I'm, you know, like if we've got a committee and we've got a certain topic, we're trying to think about how to, you know, it's a challenging thing or something. And I can be walking around and feeding calves or feeding horses or something. And, and then I'll have a little brainstorm. So I can immediately, you know, Get on my phone and make me a note so I don't lose it. Because if I don't, it's going to be gone, never to return. <laughs> you know, yep. it's just little things like that. And then, and then I don't think about it anymore, you know, until it's time for the to actually have discussion with the committee or something. And so, and I don't know, you know, pe- people will say that, well, you've got a really full plate. And I'm, and sometimes I think, well, yeah, it is. But then really it's not. I mean, every, you know, there's folks that are looking after sick people and they've got more on their plate than I could ever imagine handling. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think it's just whatever you kind of get used to. If, if I didn't have all these balls I'm juggling, <laughs> I'd probably weigh 500 pounds and, you know, <laughs> just. <laughs> Sit around doing nothing. And well, <laughs> and, 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 and that's it. And it it uh, it becomes, for lack of a better term, it almost becomes an addiction, in a, in some ways, yeah. keeping yourself busy. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, I, yep. uh, for sure. I have a, a severe autoimmune disease, arthritis, and my mm. rheumatologist, you know, asked me here. She has several times mentioned that she's, "How do you keep yourself going?" I said. I don't have any choice. I've got cattle yeah. to take care of, you know. <laughs> yep. I, I, this is what I do. I have to keep going. And and she's like, that's well, true. maybe that's what's keeping you going is, is you force yourself to get up and not sit around and so forth. But, yeah, I can, I can certainly appreciate. So, you know, do you find you – I mean, I know you're out in the barn and stuff and, um, you know – how do you do you have a, a Bible study that you look at? Do you have, you know, things that you listen to? You know, how do you connect with God when you're when you have those full days and you're out just running? Yeah, so uh the these little uh different podcasts and things and uh like a lot of times that I mentioned Max Licato, he does some really good like seven or eight minutes things and those I just really enjoy it's just like a a little breath of fresh air thing you know just to sit and listen to somebody and they take you know the scripture and really talk about it and and you know I've tried some local little local church and you know just stumbled upon them and they were doing a bible study and I thought wow okay so but then when we get in that bible study it was like a preaching sermon Uh you know and I and I don't want that you know, I want to actually somebody talk, you know, and and try to really explain the meaning of certain verses. And that's sort of what I gravitate towards. And going to the Quaker church, it's more, to me, it's more, it, it is a sermon. And it's really uh, the, the message that he pulls out of the scripture is what's so valuable to me 
and which is different from what I remember as Baptists growing up that was more just at you, just preaching at you, you know. And so I think at different stages in your life, you may be looking for a different delivery, yeah. you know, of the message. Mm-hmm. So I'm at this stage right now where I'm really wanting to try to understand the scripture versus being it. Having it sort of what I would describe as thrown at me, you know, somebody hollering at me. <laughs> so, and, and you, you know, it's it's just different, you know, the the delivery between different ministers. Mm-hmm. So, and I think sure. when we found this church, that's sort of what. Uh, well, I know it is. That's what we sort of gravitated towards. It's more of let's understand let's, and how you take this scripture and apply it to today how you're living today and how we can help our neighbors and work with the scriptures. You know, here's what the message is. So that that's, that's what I look for when I'm looking for things to listen to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You so your husband it? and you share, share the same faith together pretty much. I mean, you're attending yeah. church together and, and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep, we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Karen touched someone in your family. So it's your husband, but then you have kids that are involved there also? Uh, we don't have any children, okay. but, uh, we always tried to be the best aunt and uncle okay. uh-huh. <laughs> ever. <laughs> okay, cool. So we introduced them young people as they were growing up to some mighty neat stuff. And, um, we took them kayaking and hiking and taught them how to show cows. And, um, I've trained 21 children how to show cows. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Through the years. And, and it was just awesome. Wouldn't give up one day of doing that. Uh, but I'm just, you know, getting older and now I'm, uh, just not, can't really be drug around like I used to could be. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, like just body just won't take it, you know? Yeah. yeah that's understood. Yep. I understand. Yeah. So. So our nephew, the oldest nephew, uh, he's always really shown a big interest in dairy. And when he went to state, you know, he focused on that. And so he's been with us, I think, four or five years now. And and we're hopefully looking at somehow to transition the farm to him. Okay. Yeah. Great. So that's, yeah. Trying to trying to keep it going. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So you have hope in the dairy industry to try to encourage young people to be part of it. Yes. Well, I guess that's part of the eternal optimism of dairy farmers. <laughs> it's going to get better someday. It's going to get better someday. And now, I mean, I'd be rich if I had a dollar for every time we said that. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. My, my, my dad used to tell this story in 19, let's see, 1962. He was a, Sophomore, and I'm not saying this was real fair for my grandfather to do, but in 1962, the milk company they were shipping to, they came and said, you have to put a balk tank in. We're not picking Ooh. you up in cans anymore. And my grandfather said to my dad at that point, he says, well, he says, we have to make a choice. Are you going to take over the farm and milk or not? And he, he looked at my grandfather who had numerous off-farm jobs to keep the farm going in the you know 50s and 60s he's like why do i want to do this <laughs> and my grandfather told him then my dad used to say it all to me a lot it's going to get better someday just hold yeah. on it's going to get better someday 
<laughs> well, he he went off and drove truck all of his life, and and then I we I, I call myself a skip generation farmer. It skipped my mm-hmm. dad, and then I got back into it. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's gonna get better someday, and and so yeah, yeah, I got. Um, but yeah, you're so you're very optimistic, and that's that's encouraging because you don't hear a lot of optimistic in the dairy industry right now at all. No, we don't. That's for sure. Yeah, it's um, and it's one of those. You know, it's such an intense lifestyle that it to me it just it takes a lot to say we're not going to do this anymore because you just don't. To me, you just don't really get in and out of the dairy business just like that. Yeah, right. You know, you know, people people sell to be heard, and then a few years later they'll be back in. And but to me, I, I mean, I guess you can, but you know, when you look at the generations of, you know, we like our animals, uh, the breeding that we try to put in them, and thought behind it, and it's, uh, you know, it's just hard to say, well, we're just not going to do this anymore. And, right. and where we live, we're in an area that uh, I think if we shut our doors, it's just going to be, it'll be growing houses pretty quick. Right. Hmm. right. Yeah. Sure. Huh. So, Karen, um, talk about, I'm assuming as this podcast grows, we're going to have non-farm people that are people of faith that end up listening to it. So talk about a little bit your perspective of being a good steward. You know, the Bible calls us to be a good steward. What does that what does that mean to you as far as the, the cattle and the farm and things like that? Well, part of it is uh just a couple of words. You know better, so you do better. And so as we, you know, as whether the science, the research, as we get better information as to just like our cow comfort. Look at how far cow comfort has come in in the past just 10 years. Right. You know, yeah. keeping our, you know, looking after our animals, you know, we're sand bedding, you know, our, like right now, our electric bill jumps a thousand dollars a month just running all these fans, you know, on these cows to keep them cool. You know, any anything, any new buildings you build, you're trying to Create that environment using the latest, greatest proven research to give comfort to those animals because, mm-hmm. um, and then people in the same breath, they'll say, but, but if you love your animals, how can you eat them? <laughs> and I'm like, well, cause I just, uh, I just interviewed to put some hamburger into a, a, a facility in Raleigh that does these, uh, they prepare these box menus, and so they'll have produce in it and meats and cheeses and all this stuff. So I'm interviewing with the folks, and and that's what the the artisan menu person she says. Well, how can you eat your animal? And I said it's a respectful life, and it's a respectful end to life. That uh, you know, it's respect the whole way, doing everything we can, so they have a great life, and then they have a humanely ended life mm-hmm. and conserving that protein, you know, keeping that protein available to, for the human consumption. So, and then as far as our land, it, you know, it's the same thing, uh, cover crops, growing our crops, you know, we've got streams all through our property. 
you know, making sure we're not having any runoffs. And, you know, things that always looking for what's the best way to um, apply manure, what's the correct rates to apply stuff, because um, it's what how we take care of our animals and how, ta- how we take care of our land directly in, impacts the we have to be able to pay our bills. So we have to get an economic return. And so all those things impact how profitable we're going to be. Right. Right. So, yeah. so we just, we're just constantly trying to, trying to do better. Right. right. <laughs> yep. So it ends, it ends up being a, a three way cycle with, with, you know, you have, you have the folks that are looking at us, wanting us to take care of the, of the, earth they may not believe in god but they have their own agenda and that's that that is what they look at so we're trying to take care of the earth the best that we can from their aspect we're trying to be profitable at what we're doing but then as christians we're called to be good stewards of what god has given us to take care of all righty well this has been really great talking to you um, just it has for sure you, you certainly bring bring a great perspective to to farming and um, to the Christian faith and I, I also failed to mention too Chris that I happen to know that she also lives in an area that has large quantities of bluegrass music and <laughs> she likes to she, she likes to uh, clip her heels a little bit I understand, yeah. I understand you're a clogger also yeah, yeah, we did. We used to actually uh, clog with some adult groups and we competed. But uh, we're not uh, actively clogging now. So, uh, yeah, we really miss it. But we met some mighty fine people. We've got some lifelong friends now that we used to dance with. So, uh-huh. yeah, it's that funny thing about you get older and people's lives get busy and adult teams break up. But... That was a that was some great times. Right, right. <laughs> Clogging. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just saw that on your Facebook page here recently, some pictures oh. from then. <laughs> so good deal. Yep. Chris, do you have anything more for Karen? Nothing that's coming to mind. I just really appreciate you taking the time with us. Uh, I, I guess I would ask Karen, um, if you had one thing that you would want to say to maybe farmers in general, but maybe dairy farmers in particular, what would you want them to hear? Uh, don't be anxious, you know, and uh, I think for any of us that are in the dairy business, you know, you, you've got to have faith in Christ just to get through every day, every year. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. between the weather challenges, economic challenges, um. You know, the challenge is that we're trying to do our best every day, just like what we were talking about with our animals and our stewardship of our land. Uh, that, that can get pretty overwhelming. And Indeed. yeah. And so one of the, my favorite scriptures is, uh, the Philippine, Philippians 4, 4 through 8. And that is, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know, I, I read that a lot. <laughs> you know, because it. Well, it's, I need to think on these things a lot myself. <laughs> so yeah. I understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And 
And so if it's okay, let me just read it. Rejoice in the Lord. Yeah. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your Mm -hmm. gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hmm. You know, so... Yeah, agri- to me, agriculture is a wonderful business, uh, but it's tough. You know, we've got so many unknowns. And trying to not be anxious during some of the most challenging times, it's it's hard, and it requires a lot of faith and prayer. And and we will be anxious, but just don't be a prisoner to it. Right. Amen to that. I think it's a good uh, perspective. That is a good yep. perspective for sure. For sure. So... All right. Well, thank you, Karen. God bless you and your well, thank family you. and your business. And we really appreciate you. Yes, very much so. Well, pray, pray, well thank pray. you. And I appreciate y'all doing this podcast. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, we, we are, we are glad to be doing it and we're glad people, God has lined people up like you to be part of it too. So, uh, I think, think people will be touched and blessed by what you had to say today. So. Well, yes, thank I you. Do too. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, we until next time, thanks for listening to the Faith of Our Farmers podcast. Goodbye. Yeah, listening bye. to the Faith of Our Farmers podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Faith of Our Farmers. You can find links to this week's podcast on our Facebook page under the podcast section. If you'd like to get a hold of us, there's two ways you can do that. You can get a hold of us first through our Facebook page. Uh, send us a message that way. There's also an email button on our Facebook page. You can email us at faithofourfarmers at gmail.com. If you know someone in ag that has a great testimony to share, or if you know of a ministry that combines ministry work along with agriculture work that you'd like us to feature, or if you just have a good topic you'd like us to talk about, please get a hold of us, either through Messenger or through our email address. And lastly, and most important, if you're searching out there today and wondering about a, a faith walk with Jesus, may we suggest you go to this website, needhim.org. That's N-E-D-H-I-M dot O-R-G. On that website, you can find a lot of good information about how to start a walk with Jesus, or if you are currently walking in the faith and have some struggles and questions, this website is a great place, great resource to go to. Again, that's N-E-D-H-I-M dot O-R-G. Thanks a lot, and God bless till we talk next time. See you later.